Peace and blessings, good people. Welcome to Father Shit, a podcast on fatherhood and twain. Today, I'm your host, Fleming. And I'm Ms. Vaughn. And today, uh, we have, uh, I mean, we always got special guests, so this makes it no different. Uh, but we have Judge David. This means you have to be a little more dignified, but it does mean that. I mean, granted, it does, but, you know, we have Judge David Baker from out of Raleigh, North Carolina today with us. So thank you, sir, for joining us and welcome to Father Should. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, uh, Fleming and Miss Vaughn. I really appreciate being invited onto the podcast. Um, I always prefer to meet folks in this type of forum versus uh, in the courtroom. Um, I will just tell you, um, just sort of by way of introduction, this is my, I'm in my third year um, of my judicial service. Um, Back in 2019, the governor here in North Carolina saw fit to appoint me to a vacant seat. And um, my first assignment, my first two years, I was a dedicated family court judge. And so um, in those two years, I presided over hundreds of cases. not all child custody, but quite, that was the majority. Child custody, sure. child support, um, of course, equitable distribution, people having to split up their stuff, alimony, post-separation support, all those types of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, you know, two feet in, uh, fully submerged in the family, family law uh, for those uh, first two years. Okay. Um, yeah, yep. But I will tell you before coming to, you know, I practice law, I had my own practice for about 10 years. And then before that, um, I started out with legal aid of North Carolina, where I was able to um, represent uh, parents, particularly in cases where there was emergency custody issues. Perhaps you might have a, um, you know, case where somebody's attempting to take the child over state lines mm-hmm. and they needed emergency intervention either to stop or at least put some parameters in place. Uh, for the return of the child. Um, So I've been, you know, been at this for a while, um, you know, and it's something that I find a lot of meaning and purpose in the family court work, I think is some of the most meaningful work um, that I've done in my time on the bench. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to, uh, to chopping it up, having a really, really good Conversation. I'm, I'm hoping I can dissuade some 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 uh, misnomers. Maybe set some folks at ease. Maybe maybe not. But you know, I mean, hope, to see where the know, conversation will go. Hopefully so. You know, I mean, we we definitely uh, you know we we've been we've been here for a minute, but definitely we we've had plenty of conversations centered around um, the co-parenting situation. I'm a co-parent myself. Been doing it for 16 years, um, and it ain't easy. Wasn't a cakewalk, you know, was not, uh, it definitely was one of those things where I needed help, you know, and thankfully I, you know, I was able to to get a lawyer in, in the situation, but, um, you know, we've also had conversations around the fact that if you are able to rectify your situation without the use of a lawyer or even having to come and see someone such as you, right. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, definitely, uh, go that route if you can, you know, and I mean, definitely, we always speak to the fact that we're trying to, uh, mend their bridge peacefully, you know, um, and stay out of, stay out of the orgy as we like to refer to it as like, you know, when it comes to the factor of having the judge, the lawyers, you know, the court appointed other people's, the guardian ad items, like, you know, like, wait, this is way too many people in my business. Um, and we just really, you know, want to do what's in the best interest of the kid. And, 
you know, I think a lot of times we, it's, it's, you see a lot of ego um, that walks in and, and emotion, you know, uh, when people kind of come in and feel like, like they're like something is being unfairly done to, to, to them. And at times it, it is, but we can get off into, into, to that piece. Um, so my first question though is, um, during your time app, have you ever granted a father full custody of a child? Yeah. So, um, and, and trust me, I'm, I'm going to address the question, but I want to, I kind of have to reframe it in a way I can make sure we're all talking and saying the same thing. Absolutely. Because I hear the term full custody all the time, and I want to make sure I know what that means. Um, And just some jurisdictions use that term full custody. What I typically talk about is primary custody. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes I'll use secondary custody, just meaning a form of visitation. Okay. Um, But very rare, or, or I'll use sole custody, which means one parent is completely deprived of. Um, you know, custodial time outside of maybe some limited visitation. Right. So, so those are the, that's the terminology I use. So when you say full custody, um, can you just, I just want to be clear. What do you, what do you mean? What's that? So I guess, so I guess then based on that, then it would be, as you stated, sole custody. Has mm-hmm. there ever been a point of where you've ever granted a father? Cause I mean, we, you know, of course we hear the horror stories, you know, I know for, for me in, in, in my situation, I wanted joint custody. That was, that was my, my approach going in. Um, the advice, <clears throat> excuse me, the advice that I was given from my lawyer at the time was, okay, well, Hey, if half is what you want, then go aim for higher because then at least you'll fall and hit the half range you know okay. all right well let, let me let me i've told you i promise you i'm going to answer the question you're not I, absolutely I, I trust you not to let me off the hook but um what a couple things one i i just want to say you know um so i'm one of in my jurisdiction i'm one of a handful of judges who are doing family court we have four like here it's a large county but and we're backlogged like most courts across the, the country but I'm going to put, you know, posit this now. Judges are people, too. Correct. Okay, so I just kind of want to start there, right? Right. Um, because in, in introducing myself, you know, um, I failed to mention that I'm a father of three. Okay. Um, you know, now mo- my kids now are, are are all adults. The youngest is 18. and feel like we, you know, we did a, me and my wife did a pretty good job of raising some really good people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I, uh, you know, we, our family, I'll say was in, is intact. Um, so I didn't have the, it was co-parenting, but co-parenting in the same household, you know what I mean? Right. So, so I, I want to make sure to characterize it that way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my but wife and I, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've managed to be able to play team throughout this whole, you know, child rearing process. And, you know, we kind of had the finish line. So I just want to say that so people know who they're talking to. I have, you know, I've had kids, you know, I know what it's like to, it never seems like there's enough because, you know, everything, I mean, from, from recitals, recital fees, rehearsal, you know, it's just, it oh, takes a lot. Right. It takes a lot. Right. Right? Absolutely. And so, and so, you know, every judge is not going to be like me, but I will tell you that, you know, judges are people too. And so I, I try to get away from um, just sort of generalized, 
you know, the courts are this way or the courts are that way. So if you have a judge or you're still in court, know your judge's name and say specifically, you know, Judge, you know, Johnson said or just, you know, I'm just telling you because because right. I mean, I cringe and I, I'm careful because um, I say I cringe when I hear I was listening to the E.L. Hughley show and they were talking about Kanye West situation. And, you know, they were like, yeah, he, he ain't got a chance. They already, you know, courts already favor uh, the mothers. And I would just tell you, in my experience, presiding over hundreds of cases, the facts are so unique in every case. It's just hard to compare. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so your question was, have I ever given a, a father sole custody? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's rare I give anybody, and it should be rare that a judge would grant any parent sole custody. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the public policy here in North Carolina is that the state uh, wants as a, as a goal for the child to have a meaningful relationship with both parents. And that's generally the, the posture of the courts in every state, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing um, that both parents have played an important role. And so sole custody or full custody, as people say, you know, when I hear that, I usually think, OK, especially if it's not anything like just outrageous and egregious, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Are, are they, are, you know, is somebody using the kid as a pawn? Is this like revenge? You know, mm-hmm. is this a, the just furtherance of control, perhaps because there was domestic violence and this person, even, and it can be the woman too, it can be the mother, right. you know, just try, you know, maybe she's upset about something. So she wants, you know, she's telling the court she wants something that generally is ridiculous to ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I can't recall a specific case where I've given um, a father sole custody. And only times when I did it with the mother is when the dad was locked up. Or mm. lengthy sentence and could not be around or had displayed like just like a complete disregard for the health and safety of the child. Okay. Um, so those are extra. So when we talk full custody, you know, like I said, I hear the term thrown around on, on right. you know, shows and stuff. That is it's that's fairly extreme. So you know? I was just about to say that for you, it sounds like extreme custody for you is just extreme. That's just like that. It sounds as if that's that line that you don't like to cross or it, right it, it's one one of those things where like i said that other parent i mean actually constitutionally parents have a right to be in their child's life and um to parent their children so we have to i mean there's a high it's a high bar just to you know push somebody off to the side and say you don't get to be a parent and participate in your child's life mm-hmm. they would have i mean yeah. by law they have to have acted inconsistent with their constitutionally protected right as a parent. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you hear that sometimes, and when you see that occasionally where a parent has exposed their child to extreme abuse, maybe not by protecting them from, you know, now in blended family situations, you know, people come in and they introduce a third party into the household, and then you don't know that that third party may have another child or a relative or, or that person may be abusing, and, you know, the mother or father doesn't protect the child. In those situations, you know, it, it's justifiable perhaps to grant another parent, the other parent full custody. But again, that's a that's an extreme case. So 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 I told you I was going to answer the question. I just kind of wanted yeah. I, I lay it out there. And that's just question number one. So no, no, no. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> that, 
because that makes sense when you say it that particular way. Because I know most times people are just like, well, I want full custody. It's just like, okay, well, why do you necessarily need full custody? Like, are you just wanting to, you know, again, are you using it? As you said, are you using the child as a pawn? Are you doing this to get back at somebody? Because half of the time, if you look at it, well, I will not say half of the time. And most of the experience and people that I know, both parents are very active in the life of the child's life. It's just usually a situation or something comes up and somebody's mad. So now it's like, oh, now I need to go do this because, you know, now all of a sudden the child has been spending weekends and nights and stuff at the dad's house. And now all of a sudden, oh, no, you can't do that. I need to protect my child. It's just like, are you really protecting your child or are you just trying to soothe your ego? Like, right. Right. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. That's where real life or real lived experience really comes in handy. Um, And. Quite honest, I mean, most judges, most, not all, but most have seen, you know, so many different scenarios. Sometimes we are reading between the lines and, and picking up on. The, and if, in fact, in my orders, I will because we have to make findings. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't just say, um, you know, custody, you know, primary custody goes to dad and mom gets visitation three nights a week, you know, Thursday through Saturday. We have to actually make findings justifying why we um, made the ruling in in the manner that we did. And so oftentimes my orders, you know, I would specifically point out that um, mom is hypersensitive to dad's, um, you know, uh, romantic relationships and has developed a pattern of withholding the child every time he starts a new relationship. Like I I would make those types of findings in my in my orders. So then. Because then the next section after the findings, I'm actually saying, well, then this is how we're going to address that, you know, because mom would withhold it. So, so specifically it justifies now why I'm saying dad gets FaceTime, you know, every night at a certain time. And this is how we're going to we're going to facilitate that because mom in the, before every time dad start dating somebody, you know, she don't pick up the phone when he wants to call. You know, the child is mysteriously asleep now at 730 p.m. every night. And it's really, and really what's going on is, you know, she didn't like the fact that he's moved on. Right, right, right. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Have you had situations where, or an incident, let's just do, um, because we can't talk about anything. Let's just give a scenario where, you know, a mom came and, um, I'm sorry, let's not even do a mom. A dad came in and said he wants 50-50 custody. Like, this is what he wants, or he just wants visitation. And, you know, how, so if, when the dad comes in and he's requesting that visitation is then, you know, he's just, again, he just wants visitation. How is that perceived to you as a judge if the dad is initiated mm-hmm. and not? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of times, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why that may happen. Um, I've seen cases like that where the dad had been completely sort of shut out for the kid, let's say the first three years of the child's life, maybe didn't even know he had a, um, you know, had the kid. And so now he's just saying, hey, I just need, you know, once I found out I want to be in my kid's life and, you know, I'm not getting anywhere trying to to talk about it with her. So Mm -hmm. here I am, Yana. 
Then there are other cases where, um, you know, the circumstance may be different. They may they may have been working fine for a while and then things broke down and he just needs some order, some semblance of structure so he knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm giving you kind of these different scenarios to say, right. you know, we have to recognize there is not a one size fits all. Right. And again, like I said, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to believe that my approach is is um, the typical approach of, of most judges. That's why I said if I can if I can you know, persuade some folks at least to go in with the hope and idea that they will be viewed as an individual, their case will be viewed individually, then I think my time on this show will, will have been successful. Absolutely. But I suspect I have an uphill battle. No, well, uh, I was going to ask you, that was going to be my follow-up. So be, given the fact that just most people, I would just say most people in general, have a certain um, anxiety when it comes to judges and you know my life now is in your hands what can you say will be your as a judge what is the best approach that somebody should come into court with like um whether it's you know not even necessarily saying dress in a certain type of way but what is it that for you as a judge because this is your this is a blind date you almost are getting married at first sight like literally that's what y'all are doing because you know you don't know either of these couples and all of a sudden you need to marry them and try to make something work and you don't know anything about their situation so it's anxiety on one end and then i mean probably is anxiety on both ends so what would be your best advice for people who are coming you know who got to go to you know we we got to go to a judge we can yeah yeah well um you know, and I will I will agree with uh, with what Fleming said at the outset. If you're fortunate enough to be able to to work something out to get along, it's best. I mean, to to save that money, money that can be used for the benefit of the children. You know, so I, I'm not a proponent for litigation. Believe it or not, I mean, I got plenty of job security, so that's that's not a word. <laughs> right? we, you, we got cases for for years, um, but you know, so so. We're just kind of taking off the table and being able to work it out through mediation. You know, that, that's not happening. Um, when you get into the court, I would like for people to think of court as a safe space and not a hostile environment. The relationship between the parties, the mother and father, may very well be hostile, but mm-hmm. the court is actually neutral. The judge is neutral. The judge is not your enemy. And, and what I, and I'm saying that. Um, because oftentimes I realize that, you know, to the extent most people come into court and they are performing, right? They're, they're not necessarily showing they, you. They ask the one to perform. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not showing you the their, their real the real person. They're showing you the person they want you to see. And you know, part of being a judge is you try to discern what's true um, and what's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for for anybody coming into court. I would just say, remember that the court, you're not there. The court is not there to be hostile to you um, and to keep to one, keep an open mind, but understand that in particular with child custody, it's not like money. It's not like child support. Um, the judge, just like you, wants to do what's in the child's best interest. And you've got to think about, you know, how your 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 behavior, your demeanor, how all of that's going to be perceived even when it comes to how you interact with that other party. 
So if you're, you know, if you're a father um, and mom has been a pain in your ass, right? When you come into court, you probably don't need to, you know, look at the judge, look at your attorney if you have one, um, but be respectful because like, you know, the snot, the rolling of the eyes, this condescending um, looks, or even just those things they do send, they can send a message that you're the not, you're not the cooperative parent. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have your emotions under control, when you come in, mm -hmm. that per I'm just using just as an example, because like I said, it didn't matter what's the mother or the father, but that woman who has been conniving and undermining your ability to be a parent, they'll come in just as nice. Um, you know, might as well bring the church hat, church fan and all that. They ain't seen church in years, right? But because because your emotions are out of control and you're not you're not being mindful of where you are at that present time, mm -hmm. push all the buttons. Right. And now with Judge Baker, now I'm going to make a finding that says, uh, you know, plaintiff father um, appears to be volatile and emotionally unstable. You know, mm. Even in court, he demonstrated an, an inability to follow simple instructions and had to be reprimanded several times not to uh, pound the table and say she's lying. Because mm. mm. that's what happens, you know, like, right, right. you know, you right. feel this frustration for years, you know, and, and so, I mean, I've had people say, that's what I'm talking about, Judge. See what I'm talking about? She lying. She lying. <laughs> and I'm like, Sir, I told you, know, I've already told you before, you'll get your chance to speak. Right. See, we're in court. We're not in your living. And I, you know, these are words I have said so many times. I said, mm -hmm. We're not in your living room. If y'all gonna argue back and forth, you don't need a court. Right. You're, my, you're in my courtroom now, and you have to trust, like I said, that I'm gonna listen carefully and I'm gonna discern the facts. And both of you will get your opportunity. So, sir, sit down. It's the last time I'm gonna tell you. Mm. Now I understand this person's heated. You know, they were supposed to get their child last weekend because and they had all the family over at the house for the kid's birthday, which was a week late. And then, you know, mom pulls a stunt where it's like, well, we out of town. So I get, you know, it's like I, on one hand, I understand the frustration. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is everybody, every judge is not going to be that patient. And there's some jurisdictions as rushed as we are here in Wake County. There's some jurisdictions where they just don't have time. And they really the judge just really wants to get to the basics, you know, the meat and potatoes. The meat and the potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm saying, I, I think to sum it up, I'm just saying, be mindful, try to be emotionally grounded and come in with an open mind that um, uh, without the narrative that the court is out to get you. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's a myth? You feel like like that 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 thought process, like you know, like the court is out to get me. Would you say is that a myth as a as a judge? That's really where I really want to argue uh, vociferously that that is a a myth. Okay. Um. But but I but I pull back a little bit um, mm -hmm. on that because you know there's something we hear consistently. Right. I mean, I, I hear that consistently. Mm -hmm. Um. You know. Uh, but but what I believe, actually, what I think is happening is that oftentimes, particularly for the men, they they may not understand exactly. You know, it's almost like you need to need somebody to break it down and, and brief you on why did the judge come down on this the way they did? Mm -hmm. Was it you know, was I being treated unfairly or is there some do I have some blind spots? And I know in my courtroom, even when because, man, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I have a reputation for being extraordinarily fair, extraordinarily patient. Right. 
You got plenty of third party validation. People will tell you that. So it's not just me, right. you know, saying that. Right. Come on, two child horn. Go on here. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's that's 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 who and I, that's who I want to be. So I, you know, right. I'm glad this job gives me that opportunity to be patient and you know empathetic and all of that. But even with all of that said, there are folks who, when they come into court, they really are thinking in the terms of winning and losing. And and oftentimes, I you know sometimes before, but especially after, I always try to reframe um, exactly what's transpired, to tell them why I ruled the way I did, and that because I'm trying to, you know, I, I admit, I, like I don't know y'all, you know, you just came in my courtroom an right. hour ago, but based on what I've heard, this is what I think is in the best interest of the children, and and, and you know, mom, before you start doing laps and you know. Clicking your heels twice and you know, <laughs> you know, doing the cabbage pat, you know, just understand this isn't about winning and losing, right? right? And and ultimately, like you, you, I'm trying, and I know y'all love your child. I don't really know your child. I know you love them, but I care about them, and I'm trying to craft something that's going to work. And here's what I believe: I think there are a lot of factors that men don't take in consideration, um, and that oftentimes the judge doesn't explain that then lead them to feeling like they got the, the, the a raw deal. Mm-hmm. What factors do you think those are? Like, could you give us examples of what you believe those factors could be? I'll give you some, I'll give you, I'll try to give you a few examples at top of mind and, and um, it might spur you to think of some too. No. So I'll just give you an example. Um, so oftentimes like we'll, we'll, we'll have a situation where let's say the parents divorced or separated. They no longer live in the same household. But when they did, for those five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years they lived together, mom took the kid to the doctor. You know, that was her thing. And she took, you know, let's say it's a child who's got some sort of uh, disease or, or condition, eczema or um, mm-hmm. a heart murmur or something where they need medication. And mom was the one who was always on top of it and has superior, superior information and insight about the child's care. Dad knows a, a little bit about it. And since they separated, has gone to a few of the doctor's appointments. But um, when the child visits, he doesn't administer the medicine in a timely way. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, that, and, and a lot of times with dads, that happen. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, and I mentioned, you know, them living together because they're like, when we're in the same household uh, with, the, uh, with the other parent, it makes sense to divide up the responsibilities. Right. Right. Oftentimes when people split up, they still relegate that one parent to doing all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Even An though example they- I used, I used the doctor's appointment. Right. But it could also be school. And dad's, dad's like, well, I know, I know the teacher's name. I know, I know, I know um, Jermaine's in the second grade and I know his teacher. Yeah. I, I know, the, I know the teacher. I talked to her, you know, Mm-hmm. But then you don't know, you know, you get hit with the question when the attorney, opposing uh, attorney says, well, can you uh, tell me um, what's an IEP? Right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Fleming, what, what's an IEP? Does your son have one? Yes, actually he does. You, you, say, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, but a lot of that, a lot of people, not just dads, yeah. right. are caught off guard. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, I mean, and so the judge is left weighing, well, doggone it, this kid's got an IEP and the dad didn't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, right. he was invited to the, the meeting to, with the teachers and the counselors and didn't show up. But he's saying to me, he, you know, he's the greatest dad since, you know. Like spread. Yeah. Right. 
Right. Okay. They're just, but they're, but they're little missing, little missing pieces. And that doesn't mean that that father can't be a good father. But in that mm-hmm. moment in time, given a child's unique needs, whether it's medical or educational, the other parent may be better suited to have the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Let me give you one more um, thing that sometimes, you know, it, it, you may not think about and people don't think about. A child's age, some kids um, don't respond well to transitions. You know, I've had parents say, you know, I, I don't, you know, I want him to spend time with, with, with his dad, but every time I bring him back, you know, his schedule's all off. You know, he, he he's, uh, won't go to sleep on time. You know, I'm having trouble. Oh, and I get attitude from him, you know, and I, and, and I don't know what it is, but, you know, it takes me about two days, takes him about two days to readjust to being back in my household. Mm. And some, you know, there are lots of different reasons why that may be. But when I hear that, and sometimes it may be backed up by, you know, school records to show they act out on Mondays, the Mondays right. they come back from dad's house. Right. I got to, you know, I got to craft an order then that may take that in consideration. You know, mm-hmm. it's taking this kid two days to reacclimate to being back at, you know, at mom's house or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope if I'm communicating anything, you all is just the depth of, of thoughtfulness that goes into, to, you know, yeah. orders. Um, and that's why when I hear on, you know, you know, hear things just kind of offhand at the barbershop or whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's more to it. It's more to the story. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you would say that because even as a, again, anytime when we're having this these conversations, I tell people all the time, like, look, I I, I have this podcast because it, it helps me a great a great amount, <laughs> tremendously. Um, and so as as you're talking about that, I'm sitting here thinking as into the times when things have gone the way that they've gone, and I appreciate you giving that because I never thought about it from that perspective as into hey from from um from from a schooling aspect like you know which parent is more in tune with the factor of the schooling you know which can definitely play into the the favor as into okay well hey child should be over here you know primarily um and then you know secondarily over as far as as far as uh dad's dad or mom's place and whatnot and that whole aspect of 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 adjusting um definitely dealt with that i I don't think that um i know primarily for the most part you usually see like you know every other weekend and i just feel that you know that may be a case of where it is that you know like you said age-wise of the child but the thing is, as children get older, I think definitely readdressing the schedule and maybe like, OK, well, instead of every other weekend, then let's let's make this every other week then so that now you are offering more of a 50 50 kind of split, per se. But you're also giving the child a lot more time to get acclimated to life over here for the week, you know. And they know and they know what goes with that so that when the time comes and we're transitioning, then maybe the child transitions on that Friday. You've now got that Saturday, that Sunday to then get back in back acclimated to life over at mom's, you know, and how it is that that, that, that goes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's it's it, it's a lot. I mean, and sometimes I, I feel sorry for I felt sorry for some of the children who, you know, are caught up between these two households. Right. And I say that simply because they may go to dad's household where they're new children 
in the family, right? It's a blended family. Dad's remarried or in a in a relationship, and right. now um, when they go, they got two. I guess we'll say new siblings, right? And but it, but these those two that's that's their house. That's where they live full time. And now this child's visiting dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It still doesn't feel like home. Yeah. Maybe because they have to share a space with with you know with the, these new siblings, right? Um, you know, it's just a, it's a it's a lot, and I don't think there's a right or wrong formula. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm saying. You really can't take a formulaic approach because maybe the dynamic works good. I mean, I've had situations where we talk about blended families. It's like, yeah, my daughter loves her new uh, sisters that she obtained through my new marriage, and right. like they they jump for joy when they see each other. But mm-hmm. then you might have another situation where, and it has nothing to do with you, dad, but the two, the other kids fight. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and they, 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 you know, they don't get along and she goes back home and tells mom how, how bad she was treated. Right. You know, um, yeah. you know, and we have to take that in consideration too, again, when we talk about what's in the best interest of the child. And so right. what you want as the parent just doesn't really control, um, even to even goes back to what you putting in a complaint. It doesn't matter if you say you want full custody or primary mm-hmm. custody, visitation or whatever. At the end of the day, the court needs to assess as much of the um, circumstances they can and make a decision that's going to really serve the needs of that child. Okay. Hmm. So one of my other questions, because um, I feel like we definitely did a, did a good amount kind of worked in the whole thing with the, what my second question was. So I'm going to just jump to the third. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, From, I know you definitely clearly, obviously, you know, in, in, like you said, barbershop, other shows, you know, other hot topics that may come up and things of that nature. Um, So clearly, obviously, and we've talked about it on some of our other, other episodes and whatnot, when it comes down to, and I don't want to necessarily just put the focus on child support. So I'm just going to say child support services, Mm -hmm. right. As a person who's been in family court, as well as also dealing with it from prior to me becoming a judge, um, what is your either personal or even professional opinion as far as a little bit? Let me better yet. Let me rephrase that. Knowing what you know about child support services, if you had three things that you could change about child support services, what would they be, if anything? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a tough question. I mean, that's a halfway decent question. You thought? Yeah, it's, it's it's a great question, and and man, I tell you what, I um. Hold on, let me let me think about that. Okay. Part of the reason why I want to be thought, I want to kind of be thoughtful about it because it kind of forces me to think about what are some of the the issues or problems that I see um, with with you know the whole child support, you know that whole that whole uh, area of of law. Right. Um, you know, in in many ways, I think it's important for judges to have the ability to use discretion. Um, in most of the states, they use child support guidelines, and it's kind of a fixed number based on the income of the mother mm. and the income of the father. Right. We factor in how many children, you know, other children they may be responsible for and those things. And you kind of you work it through a worksheet and you come out with a bottom line number. Sure. Um, and, and I will just say, like, judges have discretion to deviate upward or downward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that, you know, there are times where it's appropriate to use that discretion more often. Okay. Um, you know, so so encouraging room for discretion. Um, 
you know, I think one of the, the at least the complaints I hear um, from most men is feeling like, well, we don't know where the money's going. You know, I don't, you know, they say, I don't mind taking care of my kid, but I, I just want to know where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost feel like there needs to be an orientation to help people sort of get out of that mindset. Because I don't, I don't know that there's a fix for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, what I've seen is that men in particular have an allergic reaction to even if I say child support, somebody's going to sneeze. Every time I say it, somebody's <laughs> God bless you. And somebody, I know, I'm, trust me, somebody just sneezed. Right. Um, and I'm just thinking that, you know, I wish just kind of like when we bring people in for jury duty, we give them an orientation, help them explain what they can expect throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people are just disoriented when it comes to the re- the purpose for child support. Um, and I think more could be done to, to try to help people understand, even even the, the people seeking it. So if it's particularly some other seeking support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think there needs to be some greater context uh, that would help. I think that feeling of I'm getting, you know, somebody's taking something from me. Mm-hmm. Some of the hardest cases, I, I mean, when I was in private practice, people would call me, you know, and they'd ask me to represent them in child support court. And being in private practice, you know, you try to take whatever clients, every client you can get. But child support was unique for me. One, just being a parent of three. Mm-hmm. And me and my wife, we didn't, you know, we were still struggling when we had our three kids. So, like, I know what that's like. It's, I mean, it's, it's a heavy load to carry. Right. Um, and so I wasn't particularly sympathetic to <laughs> men who were willing to pay me, but right. were trying to pay me to help them avoid child support. Right. But do you think it was avoiding child support or making it fair? Um, in many cases, straight up trying to avoid and making it not mm-hmm. even fair, trying to say, you know, how can I hide certain certain aspects mm-hmm. of my income? And even, to this, and even to this day, I mean, when I preside over child support court now, um, invariably, we're going to have somebody who, I mean, I'll just give you a real life example. Last week, I was in child support court. Man says he's a barber. He owns his own barbershop. But he said due to COVID, he only made $6,000 in 2021. That's all. And he wanted to show me his square, his square receipts. Well, I've been, I mean, listen, I'm bald head. I don't have to go to the barbershop no more. But I know for the most part, barbers still deal with cash. Guess what? He told me in 2022, he'd only, in 2022, he had only, between January and March of, uh, whenever this was, March 15th, he'd only earned $2,000 as a barber. And I asked him a question. I said, sir, let me ask you something. I said, do you believe that there are jobs available to you in this current job market that would allow you to make more money than you're making in your failing in your failing business enterprise? Ooh, not your failing in business enterprise. I said, I, I said, I, I made sure to emphasize that several times. Let me, let me just let me just stab you. Maybe. <laughs> because, because well, one, his business not failing. He's high. He's high. His income. Right. Right. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he answered it, it, the one truthful thing he said was, yeah, he said he did believe he could find a job, you know, where he could make more money than what he was doing as a barber. I said, that's good. Very good. And I told him, don't say anything else. And we went ahead and imputed income at an amount, you know, at least I imputed income at minimum wage, 40 hours a week, minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So he still got off. But what I'm saying is 
this is what I see. I see people, you know, that allergic reaction kicks in and it's like, hey, I've got to avoid this at all costs. And I just try to remind folks that it does take a lot to raise kids. Um, mm-hmm. And usually as much as you think you're doing, it takes more for that mm-hmm. for that primary custodial parent. And every situation is different. I mean, if you, you know, I've reminded people in court for child support court, this is we're not dealing with custody because they want to come in and protest the fact that why should I have to pay this when I can't see my child? Well, in North Carolina, we separate the two. Your child support hearing is separate and apart from custody. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it we're is. talking about two separate things. And right. if you want more time with your child and aren't satisfied, don't just don't just go with what Sheila told you. Because that's, 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 y'all, that's the other thing in private practice. Guys, I'm like, so for my brothers, use Google, do whatever you got to do, but don't, but just because Sheila told you, that you can't have a kid <laughs> don't mean you can't you can't see your kids. Mm-hmm. And that law was limiting yeah, this brother's spirit been crushed because he believed whatever she say. And now you crying to me, you know, mm-hmm. or actually your mama called because you've been crying to her. And now she want your mama trying to help you <laughs> get more time with your kid, you know. And I'm saying, man up, brothers. Come on now. Right. Right. It is, you know, there is power in information. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, as we were speaking earlier to those myths, right, when it comes to court, I think especially for us as black black men, you know, but I think just men, period, like, you know, but black men especially, it's like, you know, we we have this, you know, we 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 have this level of anxiety that creeps in when it's like anything pretending dealing with court. You know, like, I don't want to be near it. I don't want to touch it. You know, I don't want to know where near me because it's it's we start to then think worst case scenario across the board, you know. So to to your point, I would definitely say to all listeners and anyone who hears this, definitely get out of that mindset. Like, you know, um, I had a lady that that, that said uh, when we did a clubhouse conversation. Uh, we had a lady on that said very clearly, she was a lawyer, she said, when it comes down to child support, it's all about who gets there first, you know? And I was just like, wow, like, really? Because for the most part, huh? What'd you say? Oh, you smile. Ms. Siobhan said it, oh, Vaughn said it is that true? Oh, is that is right? So, so is that so? Would that be 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 a, a a true case, true factor? Because I mean, it's it's a. I think definitely as as men, we have a tendency. It's like you know, you know, child is born. We we go into you know take care of mode, and you know, let me just go ahead and and I mean, honestly, I think that definitely from that financial piece, you know, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think you have more brothers, more men that are willing to pay what needs to be paid um, when it comes to it. But definitely it's like, you know, but we've also seen on the flip side when it is that it's like, okay, well, hey, you know, as you said earlier, Sheila over here running around looking like, you know, dressed to the nines, but you got my child running around looking looking like damn it to hell. Like, wait a minute. And I'm sitting here giving you, I'm sitting there, I'm seeing these checks come out X amount, amount dollars a month. Like, so, so it leads to, to the question like, so, where is this going? Where where is the support for my child going? If I'm if 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 I'm paying this, you know. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean that's 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 one of the questions. I mean, I've had people in court say, "I just want to know where the money's going," and right. I don't have the authority to demand 
okay, you know, we need to right. see an itemized list of how you pay for it. But oftentimes, I mean, like I said, because there are some parents who are irresponsible and don't Absolutely. apply, you know, they, they, you, they're, they're letting extended family take care of the kids and they're using the money mainly for their benefit, right? right. And, that's, right. and that's wrong. And if, if that's the case, this is where that parent, that, that parent who's paying child support, I think needs to go back into court and maybe try to make their case that they need to have primary custody. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you wouldn't be paying child support if you had primary custody. And especially mm-hmm. if you think they're neglecting your child and the needs of the child uh, for another pair of eyelashes. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so. I'm loving um, the digs. I'm loving the digs. <laughs> well, and I would just tell you, I mean, that's kind of, that, as an aside, I will say, because we're talking about talking to men mainly, but I will tell you, um, I have a, I don't know, I better be careful. I would just scrutinize people who are, who have a lot of like extra fake lashes and a lot of makeup and fake hair. Cause I'm like, I can't even believe your appearance. How am I going to believe your testimony? You know what I'm saying? Judge. Okay, now wait a minute, Judge. Wait a minute, Judge. Hold on. Hold I, I, this is something now, people, may, this is no, something no, people no. may want to consider. With. No, no, sir, sir, what we will not do. We're talking about like, okay, this is an appearance. This I love that enhance themselves. They're doing this for themselves. They're not doing this for the look of somebody else. Just because I add extra hair or lashes or a lot of makeup, this is how I feel good about myself. That has nothing to do with my testimony I'm giving you. (laughs) I just do this for me because I enjoy the way I look with my enhancements. Well, I, I will say for the record, so that, you know, if I'm ever uh, brought before the Senate for confirmation hearing, I don't want this recording. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so people say, I judge, I judge, Judge Baker judges people by their appearance. But I do talk about discerning the truth and trying to read, you know, make sure I've got a clear picture of what's going on. And all I'm saying you is sometimes, say sometimes you people can between the lines because they got too many uh, they get the eyelashes is too long. Is that what it is? Uh, it just makes me think you might be trying to hide something. Um, you know, will, 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 will the real Siobhan, will the real Miss Vaughn show up, please appear? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> that's all. But, you know, we, we have to judge the cases on the merits and the facts and the testimony. Right. Um, you know, but but these are things, I mean, we, we oftentimes think about, you know, how dads dress, maybe they don't, you know, don't come in business attire or business casual. Um, we do, as judges, you do have to be able to look beyond that and try to really see who's in front of you and understand their unique circumstance. And that's one thing I will tell you I, I've tried to do is mm-hmm. to say, and often, like I said, sometimes, you know, guys are upset because they feel like they lost, you know, I wanted full custody. And you, you know, you only gave me every other weekend. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, sir, do you realize you had no weekends before? Do you realize you have a roommate, um, you know, who uh, in, in a two bedroom apartment and your child is going to have to spend the night in your room and you mm-hmm. have a roommate situation? Like, do you understand? Like, mm-hmm. do you understand? I, and I see you trying, sir, but I can't just, you know, give you 50-50 custody from the jump. But what we're going to do is we're going to get, you know, we have you come back in six months. And in that time, um, 
you know, you re we'll reevaluate yeah. your situation. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't know very much about your child's uh, medical condition. This will give you time to get up to speed mm -hmm. and we'll come back and, you know, we'll take another look at it. I mean, even sometimes after, I, and I say, sir, and I want to commend you because um, it's clear from the pictures you showed, you are a loving father. You know, it, it's oftentimes it doesn't get said, but you are, you are doing a great job. Mm -hmm. And mom, you know, and I say, and mom, you need to recognize that too. You mm -hmm. know, um, you know, just kind of trying to make sure to bring the humanity into the equation. Right. Because, because as we've been saying all along, the courtroom can be intimidating and people can feel like they already got an uphill battle, but it's a place where everybody, I think, gets to demonstrate just more humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's just, for me, it was always a good opportunity to remind parents what's most important. And that's, that's the child, right? Right, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. My next question. As a as a as a judge, has there ever been a time um, during your time in family court that you ever had to make a ruling that just really that you just hated to give? Like it really just like it bothers you, like you know. Mm. Um, well, they're they're ruling. They're like they're cases that I re remember, and sometimes it's because there was just no good solution. Mm -hmm. um, some of the hardest cases are, are cases where the parents are living long distance apart, like states apart. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to craft something that's going to be fair. And oftentimes you have two really good parents. Right. One of the last cases that I presided over, um, you know, two, uh, you know, young African-American man and woman done really well in their career, but one lived in, in the Maryland, D.C. area and the other one lived in, um, let's say, Chicago. You know, hey. right. Um, and uh, I actually, in that case, I did give primary custody to dad. Both parents, really good parents. Both mm -hmm. parents, very attentive uh, to the child's needs. But mom's work schedule, she worked in the healthcare field and was doing the 12-hour shifts. Mm -hmm. And the child was going to spend most of her time in at before school care and after school care. Right. right. Dad was a con government contract and could work from home. Okay. And, and mm -hmm. dad had also had a, uh, re a new baby. So now the, the, the child at issue has a new sibling. Okay. And so, but, but I'm saying that stuck with me um, just because I know that broke that mom's heart. Right. Sure. Yeah. There's a dad, you know, who can come you know, if I could remember his name, I get, get him on the podcast. Cause he can tell you, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, I want, I got custody, primary custody of my child, but it was really based on the facts that were before the court. Mm-hmm. There are other cases that just really stick with me because of um, like if you got a parent, it's like when we talk about narcissism, a lot of times we talk about it in a kind of a cheeky, cute way. But a real narcissist is 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 dangerous. Right. Baby. And so, yeah, it's, it's I've had cases where kids are, are in households with like a real narcissist mm. and um, it can really confuse the child. I mean, I, I've heard recordings where, you know, the mother in this case, the mother was the narcissist and she's telling the kid you know, um, I want you to know, I pray for your dad to die every night. Oh, geez. I mean, just, just, real life? yeah, in real, that was a real life case. Yeah. I mean, just uh, horrible things. I pray for him to die, you know, in real life. And, um, I want you to know your grandparents never liked him anyway. I mean, like they do what they're trying to do uh, is basically put a wedge between the child and the parent. Right. And right. At the end of the day, you know, for them, they're trying to preserve e their own ego and sense of safety. 
mm-hmm. but it's scary. And it's like, I don't even know what to do for this child, especially when they've already been doing intensive therapy. Right. And then let's say on the other side of that, the other parent, you know, suffers from, you know, abuse, like alcohol, uh, substance abuse mm-hmm. disorder. Okay. Okay. And sometimes there's just no good solution. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the tra- most the saddest cases I saw as a parent, lady fell off a ladder, had a traumatic brain injury, and it changed her whole personality. Wow. Um, you know, extramarital affairs. She started using drugs. She started making crazy paranoid accusations of the father. So they split up. Mm-hmm. They got three little beautiful girls. And then the dad you know, at first he's doing pretty well handling now just being the sole provider for the family. Mm-hmm. And then next time I saw him, I brought him back for a temporary hearing. Six months later, he's fallen prey to the stress. He's lost his job. He's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, drinking during the day. I mean, it, and now the kids don't have, <sighs> neither parent is a good Right, good right. That's why I talk about the humanity of all of this, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know that I'll ever see those families again, but I do think about them. I pray yeah. for, them, you know, mm-hmm, right, right. And I pray for those kids who, you know, are kind of stuck in the middle. Right. Wow. Yeah. Hey. My goodness. Yeah. yeah real life, real life stories, you know, that, and that's, that's what I'm saying. This is, it's, it's real life. We take it out of the hypothetical. And, um, when we, when you really get down to it, you know, as a judge, I can say, you know, most judges are trying. They're trying to make a good decision, but it's hard sometimes when you don't have all the time, you don't have all the facts and, you know, it, it it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That was definitely a food for thought on that one. Baby. Real talk. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Okay. You kind of left me speechless with that one, sir. I'll just yeah, you no, know. that I was not, you know, that that is that because I mean, again, you know, it's like you know, you you can you can hear about, I mean, I definitely you know, went down a rabbit hole one day and just, you know, watching some of the things that parents have done to children, you know, or will or situations that parents will place children in and it just i mean it is it's gut-wrenching it, it it's hurtful um to the heart and just definitely it's just like wow like you know it's it's a it's an unfortunate aspect you know especially when it's that you have you know some parents who literally you know not let alone narcissistic but just you know have a have a death wish and decide to bring not only just themselves but they want to take everybody with them you know and they don't have no problem burning down the whole house. Right. Had no, you know, so it's it's like, you know, when you hear those scenarios and those those situations, it's like, it's like, oh my God, like, you know, uh, like I have a friend of mine who I didn't we went to school with each other. Um, and I never really knew the story, but like, you know, she ended up doing a uh, interview and you know, um, and it was all geared to the factor of how it was that she moved forward with forgiving her mom. Was her mom literally set set the house on fire and left her and her sister in the house, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, and and they have not only you know they they have physical scars from from that as well as the emotional scars, you know, and just you know her being a parent herself, you know, and then getting to that point of being able to truly move forward and forgive her mom, you know, for 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 doing that. And I was just like, wow, like you know, I mean, I I we she and I spoke in, in depth, and I was like, you know, I commend you on that because. Moving forward with forgiving someone for doing something like that, I mean, that's that's huge, you know. It's, it's definitely so. It goes back to what you said as far as you know the humanity aspect, because 
at the end of the day, we're all human. And we all have the capability of making mistakes. Sometimes there's things that we just don't know. Sometimes there's things that we are just a part of us that we never took the time to seek the right type of help that we needed, you know, yeah. to, to, to deal with it. Um, and yeah, so, you know, props to it. Again, we always tell people like, hey, go get therapy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think then that's some of the things to think about. I oftentimes try to remind people you know, it's like, OK, I know where you're trying to go, sir. You know, I understand you want to have a, a a more substantial role in your child's life. If you don't mind, let me just reflect some of the things I'm seeing and hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, when um, when you brought the child back and the mom asked, did you, you know, uh, did you pack her pajamas? Mm-hmm. You, you went on a, you know, on a on a two minute rant, calling her all sorts of names you know, clearly there's some anger issues, mm-hmm. right? Basically, it's basically like, how dare you ask me that? You know, I brought the MF in pajamas back. I always bring the GD pajamas, you know, right. you, you know, if you use your eyes, you see that and quit, you know, quit bothering me with this, you know, this, this BS. Right. 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 We get the, we, you know, we see the text. Well, tell me how you really right. Yeah, right. And but then he wants to come in and say, but, you know, but he's going to be a good father, but he can't. He's intolerable. Mm-hmm. You know, then he don't want anybody to ask any questions, um, you know, wants to control, you know, whether or not the, the child's mother can date anybody. And it's like, OK, there's some, mm. there's some there's some issues here. Right. That right. have to be addressed before I can feel comfortable trusting you to have your child for a substantial period of time. Right. You know, right. you're unstable and you don't even know it. Right. Um, and we but we see that a lot. I mean, I see it with women, um, with mothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had one uh, another particular case. I mean, it, this one didn't work out the way I thought it was. But the mother literally was hiding the child from the dad. I mean, wow. He he was doing welfare checks, trying to get police to, you know, figure out where his child was. And when we finally got a hold of her and got her in court, I ended up switching custody to the dad. Mom, because of what I mean, she went to so, such great lengths. She even left the state for a few months without telling him that she was removing the child. So I ended up switching custody to the dad. Right. Well, a few months later, because dad comes into court, he I mean, this man was the model, like the poster guy for good dads. Mm-hmm. So I thought I didn't know that he was he had a problem with violence. We call it domestic violence, intimate, intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. Um. And these two were just going back at it. So, so when he got the kid, on my order, she called the police and said that he had kidnapped somebody or something and sent, you know, a, a, a army of police to his house. And the kid is her child, her daughter's there, knowing how police can oftentimes, you know, harm mm-hmm. black people. Right. You know, so that was her way of retaliating. But then it finds that come to find out he actually was in a new relationship, but he had choked his new wife out. And wasn't the, the guy yeah. he presented to be. And so now, again, wow. this is a kid. Now, this is where social services comes in. Comes in, right. right. And I'm not trying, you know, I, you know, most people are just thinking, you know, kind of these middle of the road circumstances where it's mm-hmm. like, we don't, you know, yeah, me and mom, we don't get along. We, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like the way she ended the relationship or she don't like the way you ended the relationship. Right. But in the court system, we see these extreme cases and it, it, you know, that's why I said it kind of gives me pause to just let folks know that it your judges are people too. That's right. kind of what mm-hmm. right, right. I think your last question was basically was are there any cases that you know stick with you? 
And as you can see, there's a lot. There's a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. No, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, we are wow. we are nearing our time. Um, so last bit of advice. What what would be what would be the one thing that you want? all listeners to just walk away away with no not even one like what's your top five like five things that you want them to know because one seems like it's just not not if you not if i got this uh threesome i gotta go in front of this judge now like you know yeah how can we how can i how can we all have a good time how can we all have a happy yeah. Nah, I so, so I, I kind of closed the way I used to close a lot of my cases. And I would remind people that um, one, just of the enormous responsibility that you have as a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, it's enormous. Right. And there are different ways that you can show up and make sure you're a part of your child's life. And if for some reason you are estranged from your child, that's kind of the worst, worst case scenario. You know, you have very, very limited visitation for some reason or another. There's still ways to communicate to that child, particularly for a father, that, that I love you, I, I, I care about you, I, I see you, and I'm always here for you. And as a parent, it's, it's essential that you communicate that. So even if you're disgruntled with uh, the parent or the court system and you're on the margins, you know, I just remind folks to do everything you can, particularly fathers, um, to, to reinforce the, the message that you love your child. But then I would also say, if you love your child, then that is an action word and you've got to figure out what that looks like. And it's hard to, to, to you know, one of the best things a father can do for a child is to, to actually love that child's mother. And you, you know, I know for can, you say that again? can you repeat that again? One of the best things that a father can do for a child is love that child's mother. And that does not, and I have to remind people, that does not require that you have an intact romantic relationship and it doesn't even require that you like the person. But you can be loving, loving in the sense of not just the sentiment and the feeling, because I feel, you know, I love hot dogs. I love pizza. Not but hot dogs. The love that I'm talking about <laughs> requires, the love that I'm talking about requires action, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have, to, to be loving means that you maybe have to be extraordinarily patient. You may have to be extraordinarily kind. And my question I ask you, is it worth it for, for the sake of your child who you say you love so much? See, because it, it's going to, you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep. I, you know, I understand she trifling, right? She was trifling in court. I know she's lying. But I'm calling you as a man to a higher standard. And so that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of where part of like what I, I try to get folks to really understand the big picture and go beyond the words, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to say I'm a good dad. I mean, and I say, I say you are a good dad, but you understand that's not what I'm. That's not the ruling I have to make today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but to the extent you're a good dad, you, it's going to be required that you do some some hard work. And sir, you have an anger issue, and I don't know if you, you know, if you've ever had therapy, if you're on medication or need to be on medication, but you need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. You need to figure it out. If your discipline style, I said, you know. One of the reasons why I wasn't able to give you full custody or um, more visitation is because your discipline style is incompatible with your child's temperament. Your child doesn't need to be berated and yelled at, and you don't have to put your hands on them. They're a sensitive child. They have, they have, they, 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 they demonstrate that they're very sensitive. And um, it's clear that Joshua Jr. looks up to you so much so that when you're not proud of him, 
just that look in your eyes is probably sufficient. You don't have to keep putting your hands on it. Mm-hmm. But I understand that's, that's what you knew because that's the way your dad did it. What I'm saying, mm-hmm. sir, in, the t- in this interim, before you come back to court, you might want to consider taking some parenting class. I'm not telling you to do it. You might want to consider that. And so that's all I'm saying. I try to help people think through what's not just the, you know, realize there's the narrative in your head and then there's what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just try to call that back to people. So for anybody who's listening now, who's in that situation, you know, in a situation, just think about where you can show up in a, in a bigger and grander way in your highest and best self. And mm-hmm. I don't pretend like it's going to be easy, but uh, yeah, I'm calling you to be the bigger person. Mm. Okay. I feel all warm and fuzzy, man. Like, yeah. I feel like I want to go be nice to somebody. Right. I know I'll be, when we get out, the, when we get through with this, I know I'll be going to call my son and say, what's up? <laughs> you should call your son's mother and say hello. I talked to her already. We good. Yeah. I mean, think think about it, though. I mean, and it, I mean that's, that's something you threw out, but just imagine if you, you know, at the end of this week, you you just sent a note saying, hey, I want to let you know I appreciate you for being a good mother to our son. You know, right. I, I see you trying. I know it's not easy, but I do appreciate you. And, you know, I'm, okay. I'm glad we're on this co-parenting journey together and I know we'll continue to figure it out. Okay. I think I, I am so glad you said that, Judge Rick. I think just most of the time people do not realize how much of the little things matter. How much mm-hmm. of the little things of just saying thank you or I appreciate you doing that or just something of just something nice, especially if it's out of the blue. Like, you know, not saying it on I mean Mother's Day or my birthday, but just like out of the blue, like, hey, you know, when you did such and such this, like, you know, I, I often tell like <laughs> So it was a couple of weeks ago, my nephew was really, um, he was going for baseball and he didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So, but I ended up having, um, I ended up writing him a card. I did a postcard and I just sent it to him. And he was just like, you know, TZ mama, thank you. He was like, you know, he was like, but you know, I didn't make the team. I was like, I know. Read what I said on the card. I was like, even though it didn't turn out the way you wanted it, you tried. Yeah. Yeah. And not only did you try, you now have opened yourself up to something else. And I don't think, you know, I think people take that for granted, just saying like, and we're not saying like, oh, you know, you're the best person ever, or I'm trying to be your best friend. But I am going to, just like I can recognize your bad, I can also recognize your good. And I can promote your good. Instead of always keeping your, my, your good to myself, mm-hmm. I feel like that will help just a lot of relationships, especially if you're co-parenting and especially if you ain't on the best of terms. Sometimes that letting go is understanding like this person is constantly not judging. Yeah. Like yeah. everything I do is wrong. Right. Yeah. And and that's, um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, co-parenting relationships are just a great place to, um, if you're, if you're, you know, are a Christian believer, Boy, co-parenting relationships are one of the greatest places for you to practice all those tenets that we say, you know, are, are virtuous qualities. And I, <laughs> I mean, you know, I have people to, you know, that was always funny to me. People say, you know, we take him, we go to Sunday school, we take him to church and we do this. And I don't see none of that showing up, you know, in the way they parent at all. Right. You know? But but what I'm saying is there's opportunity Um particularly when you realize it's not a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. 
You know, mm. there's so many different ways to show up um, and to show up in a meaningful, lasting way that's not going to do that your job. So that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm promoting. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm in the simple words of Rodney King, you know, I just ask, why can't we all get along? Hey, hey. We did at some point. At some point, we got this child together. So at yep. the end of the day, it wasn't all bad. And That's that right. is that is that is something that I strongly believe. Like it did, it wasn't always bad. We yeah. got this bad. So it was some part, even if it's just a physical part, we'll find. True enough, are we establishing a relationship off a of physical? No, but we established this child. Okay, fine. We both love this child. All right. So now let this child be our foundation of us communicating with each other. That's right. That's common. Like, that is the that's the common common bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. See. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Right. I see you are so quiet, but we just don't go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, taking it, I'm taking it all in. I'm taking it all in, you know. Um, I think that, you know, in the course of the, in the course of it, I think, you know, I, I, I agree with the fact that, like, definitely it's the small things. Um, I think wholeheartedly that pendulum swings both ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a sense of where, you know, it's uh, uh, one of the conversations that, that, that we had before is that, you know, yeah, it took the two of us, it took the two of us to, to, to make. And at the same time, there are, you know, not the, because of course, you know, I think the, I think the narrative for some people is always to fall back on quote unquote deadbeat dads. Um, but as far as the fathers that do show up, it's like, it's like to be to be in that realm and still be considered as like an option and not something that's needed. You know, that's where it becomes a thing of where it's like, OK, well. If I feel like I'm needed, then you will see a lot of a man come out when it is that they feel like they're needed. You know, mm-hmm. the moment we feel like we're not needed, it's easy to fall down that, to drift down that plane of throw the hands up. And as I say always, right, don't hit the fucking button. But sometimes men will because they don't feel like I'm not feeling like, like, like my child needs me because why? Because A, there's no level of communication. Me, me and his mama, not, not, not good. You know what I'm saying? We not talking, you know, but yet let me, let me skip a payment. Or let me not not give this child support and all hell breaks loose. Then I'm needed. So if I'm only needed from a financial standpoint, then it becomes a thing of where, okay, well, fine, well, fuck it. I'm going to do, do whatever else and stuff because y'all clearly don't need me for anything else past the fact of me just cutting this check, you know. And so for somebody in 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 a in, in a mind, it's like, you know, that that can be a thing that can definitely wear on you and put you in a place that's not beneficial for your child you yeah. know so when i when i hear that i mean it, it just makes me reiterate you know i started you know advocating for y'all to see judges as people but it makes me think fathers have feelings too um right. and, and it's a delicate balancing act because ultimately um fathers need to be supported particularly like i said when you've been marginalized for one reason or another it could be because of the distance you know um it could be because the child the attitude, I mean, as, as kids get older, they begin to make their own decisions. And it don't matter what the judge said. 
It don't. They yeah. ain't come, they not coming to your house next weekend. Basically. You know? Yeah. Um, but and that that, that 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 hurts, right? That as a father, that would hurt. And I, I mean I've seen that play out. Um, but what I would just say is that it's important to try to put your feelings in the proper perspective because you still got you still got work to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, but but that's where I think uh, podcasts like like this, the Fathership Podcast, and um, you know these conversations are really helpful because just to be heard, just to be able to to, to say that, I know the other people identify with the pain of not being able to just participate in a child's life like they want to. Right. Um, right. Knowing you're not alone, I think can can at least be uh, some comfort. So, um, you know, I, I I fully recognize that and just want to validate anybody who, who's a father and, and you know, working hard to be a part of their kid's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sir, thank you again. Thank you so, so, so much. For joining us hey, on I this conversation. It. Yeah, no, this was this was great, man. I, I, I really do appreciate it. And definitely looking forward to having you back because I know at some point we'll probably have a panel discussion of some sort. Um, you know, we definitely like to invite invite you back back for that. Um so yeah, thank you. Um wholeheartedly. Um Ms. Vaughn, did you have anything you wanna add? Mm-mm, I like the way he ended it, so I don't want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. But with that being said, that is uh, the wrap up of this episode. And we'll see y'all on the next one. All right. Thank you all. I really all right. appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FatherShouldPod. You can also visit our website at www.fathershould.org.